Hello and welcome to Postgres FM, a weekly show about all things PostgreSQL. I am Michael, founder of PG Mustard, and this is my co-host Nikolai, founder of Postgres AI. Hey Nikolai, what are we talking about today? Hi Michael, I have no idea how to call it. Let's you do it. Well, let's start with calling it database version control. So source control, scheme... Schema change management. Yeah. Database schema version control. I don't know. Yeah. If if you say just database version control, someone can think that it's also about data changes and like time travel for data and it's very different. We, yeah. mo- we mostly talk about schema, but talking about schema, we should not forget about uh, big data volumes when we, you need to adjust your data if you need to make some schema change, which requires data changes, right? For example, data yeah. type change. Of a, of a column. So, yeah. Absolutely. Well, I think probably in the application world, this is a well-covered topic. There's been various generations of three. tools that have improved. I, yeah. I've, I've recently read articles about it. There are, there are three generations of code version control or code change management or how to call, source code management. First was very naive and log-based. The second was CVS subversion and others perforce. It was better, but it was very centralized. It was subversion, better. Subversion, I remember. Yeah. Subversion, yeah, yeah, yeah. team foundation server. Yeah, some old right, ones. Right. And the third generation is Git and Mercurial, which are also decentralized. Yeah. And I think. And like log free, decentralized. I don't know anybody using Mercurial anymore, so it seems like Git one. Several years ago, I know for sure uh, Facebook used it, but uh, oh, wow. I'm not sure about now, yes. So yeah, so on the application side, it feels like this is pretty standard. It's very rare that I meet anybody not source controlling their application code, but I do still meet people who don't have the same systems for their database. And it's super interesting because this is a problem I was working on back in 20, even as early as 2010, I was working at a company called Redgate that were bringing out a source control product for a database for SQL Server. So it's super interesting that still, what, 12 years later, it's still pretty common for me to come across teams that don't have it. And even the ones that do. For database, you mean, right? For For database. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Mm And even the ones that do don't normally have it hooked up to, they're using it for kind of communicating changes between developers, but not always for deployments or continuous integration. Or anything yeah, like let's, that. let's discuss the goals. Let's start for, for mm-hmm. with regular code, which goals such tool like Git uh, is aiming to, to solve. For example, if you're just a solo developer, it still makes sense for you to, to track changes and to have history, right? Like, so you can, t- Time travel, basically, in terms of source code. But uh, do, do you need branches? And uh, do you need multiple versions of your software? Well, this is super... Do you mean for databases or do you mean for applications? For, for, for regular applications. Simple, App- like si- single page application. I don't know. Something simple. If you're on your own, I think branches have minimal additional benefit. I know some people love them for kind of exploring different paths. If they want to try something experimental and then quickly come right. back and fix a bug for a customer, that's quite, it's like nice to not have been developing on the main branch. So I can see benefits to that. And also I think it teaches good discipline if you when you do have collaborators, but I don't see massive benefits. How about you? 
Well, yeah, this is interesting. So branches can be used in various ways. And if, if I'm alone and I'm a solo developer, I still have some benefit of them because I can, exactly like you said, I can experiment with some path of development and then abandon it if, it, if I consider it wrong. And with branches, it's good that they are very quickly... To create them, it, it costs nothing very quickly. Boom, and I have a branch I can experiment and I can uh, have multiple paths of development, and then I choose which one to take. Maybe I will combine multiple ones. This gives flexibility and freedom, right? But also branches sometimes are used not as for free, it's like for feature development or bug fixes. They are used to track different uh, versions of software. And Postgres itself doesn't, Postgres project doesn't use feature branches, right? It uses major version branches, like stable release number 15. We have a branch and all bug fixes are happening inside this branch. So you have multiple lines of your tree of development. And it, I can easily imagine if I'm a solo developer, I develop some popular software, I still can benefit from branches. Like in this particular case, I maintain some old version. I already refactored it a lot. I already have new version, but I still maintain the old one. I need to bug fix it sometimes. So branches are needed for this as well. But maybe yeah. we went too far from databases already, yeah. right? Maybe not. Maybe yes. I think this is all useful, but I would say that this is where the next major benefit that I was going to mention is obviously in teams being able to work in isolation and not have to worry yeah. about stepping on each other's toes. And that's where it gets super relevant for databases. So when I was at Redgate, we actually supported two different models of source controlling your database. One we called the shared model because most teams at the time and probably still now tended to have even if they had databases locally for developers they would tend to have one big database so this, i know this is where your product comes in key but they would have one large database where you could do proper testing proper checking on decent data volumes and they had to be really careful of stepping on each other's toes for example if you you and somebody else happen to be working on the same stored procedure or function at the same time you get the case where the last last one to change it wins and that's a that's a real problem in terms of testing if you don't understand why why your feature's not working and you then you realize somebody else changed it so we did support that model and we would we actually ended up implementing it via locks so or triggers actually we called it locks but you could lock an object so that other people couldn't change it for example so that was there was like some super interesting features around that but that was a stopgap i i saw it as a stopgap because the better version was we call it the dedicated model. So where everybody had their own dedicated version of the database and they could make changes in isolation and then commit those back to the repository for the source code and, and maybe push those to a central system. Like deploy mm -hmm. those maybe to an environment. But, uh, okay, but back to Git as being third generation of source code management systems, there's also some small things which deliver some value. For example, you can easily check diff before you push. So you already committed. You can review your own changes. And with additional uh, additions in, in form of GitHub or GitLab, 
you can also have very very powerful process of like review process pull requests merge requests yeah. and so multi, there are multiple levels of quality control I would say, right? Yeah. And this this is great. And like also 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 forking. So if you have open source project, it's easy to just fully clone it, fork it, and develop. And if you see some value pushback changes, propose suggest in form of pull request or merge request suggest these changes to the up, like upstream project. But benefits are not like in the same area there are like different in the different areas but all of them allow to build very powerful and very good workflow and there are many workflows actually not one which are proven to be successful in various teams but back to databases we know that currently i would say we have like also some generation of schema change management tools some people name them i believe it's it came from ruby i'm not sure uh, database migration tools. Yeah. Right? Because uh, Ruby on Rails Active Record has part of it called uh, database migrations. And it's not migrating from Oracle or, or to Postgres. It's about schema changes, basically. Yeah, migrating from one version of your schema to another version of your schema. And th- this is really important. This comes back to your diff point from earlier. In code, in applications, we can diff. And it's, it's simple text files and we can deploy it by overwriting one with the other. And that's fine right. because there's no right. data. There's no, yeah. Whereas in databases, we need, like, if we're going to, we can't just replace, if we, if we rename a column, for example, we can't just delete that column and, and add a new one with the new name. We need to be aware of those data. data. Yes. yes. Yeah, of course. So that's, that's a very simple example, but there are loads of these examples. And I think this is where, at Redgate, we had a huge advantage because we had a schema comparison tool that did these diffs. It was that was the starting. Is point. this but schema comparison hap- that doesn't happen without context? Like what happens with this example? This is where it gets really complicated, and I think it's mostly unviable in Postgres at the moment. I don't think anybody's doing this in Postgres at the moment. You need to have a live database source code files so these these files are create statements a create statement per object and you need to be able to do comparisons but of course if you're comparing two static files how do you know if it's a rename or dropping one column and creating another one yeah. through static yeah. files you can't tell so you need, you need to you need to add migrations or what, what rails calls migrations at some level so they ended up kind of backing into that and ended up also acquiring a, a tool called flyaway db because that was very migration based so i think just just quickly i wanted to say i think there are two two completely different models here one of which is kind of nice in principle but i don't think works in practice at least not yet which is the static create statements and the other one which is a a single dump of your schema from a point in time and then migrations between versions thereafter which is what all of the frameworks like rails and django are, are doing and the other tools do as well Right. And if you have some live database, even if it's not production, you can distinguish drop create versus alter column if you check catalog, system catalogs. For object IDs. Yeah, exactly. Not, yeah. Object or, or, or in Postgres, it's a PG attribute has at num. So like numerical yeah. or, or n- number where column is. And you can say, oh, this is the same column, like just yeah. renamed. So you can distinguish this case or versus it's a completely new column. Interesting. So you mentioned Flyway and now I know Redgate uh, 
few years ago uh, purchased this project. There are other projects like Sketch. I like Sketch because it's like yeah. very quite powerful. Although it's written in Perl, so it's hard to contribute for me. It's very powerful and works with many many databases as well. Also, there is very popular uh, like Liquibase, right? Liquibase, Liquibase is yeah. very Django also like a frame being framework. Django has database migration capabilities similar to Rails, but all of them. Correct me if I'm wrong. All of them live on top of Git. They rely on Git yes. for version control, right? Okay. So what's their value? Why do we Why do we need them at all? Is it to do with deployments? Is it to do with actually applying the changes, picking them up, and and tying them to to code changes as well? For example, if I have database change that needs to go alongside an application change, that's my understanding. Yeah. If, for example, if we talk about well, of course, obviously, framework in Rails and in Django, they are also they support the both frameworks are also ORMs. So migration parts of those ORMs also support like upper, like higher language, not SQL, right? So because it's ORM, so we can change yeah. schema also using our native language, avoiding trying to avoid SQL. But for quite advanced changes, you still need SQL. For example, if you want trigger, probably you need to write some PLPGSQL code and some SQL code and so on. If you need some advanced CTE, you also need, or define some view with advanced CTE, you need, you need some SQL. But generally they try to, uh, to also support a native uh, language like Ruby or Python. And I also, for example, in Rails, I see that people start, I, I observe it in multiple projects and the GitLab as well. They start with not dumping schema. So they, uh, they support steps and also dumping schemas for additional control. This is our like current baseline and we shifted, shifted. But usually projects start with schema.rb, I think, in Rails. And then they switch to structure.sql, which is a SQL regular dump. And it's easier for Postgres guys to compare it and deal with it. So ah, I remember GitLab did it when they decided to stop supporting MySQL. Before before they supported both SQL and my uh, Postgres, and it was not possible to uh, have uh, structured SQL, which is which uh, should be like a single database only. But uh, my question is to these like systems. Okay, you provide some like usually like forward and backward. You can define forward and backward steps. Sometimes you can define also testing step. They allow you to deploy. They allow you sometimes like to have some dry deploy, not doing anything but checking correctness of uh, your changes. But why don't you care about uh, database data? Database is data. It's not tiny. Unlike source code, so sometimes we have millions of code, of course, but usually it's re relatively small compared to database. But database is usually big. And if you need to change something without blo blocking, not blocking others, you need to have some DML as well, not only DDL. And this DML should be split to batches. Why don't these all tools support it at all? I think it's difficult. And I think if we look, if we talked about those three stages of application progress, or application source control progress. I think we're in database land. We're kind of in step one still. I think the tools are still quite immature for supporting generation us. one. Um, you're, you're, you're like we're maybe, 
Yeah, maybe that's a bit harsh. Maybe maybe we're like just sneaking into number two with some of these tools becoming better. But it's if you if you're not on Rails or Django, I think it's actually quite difficult to to get this stuff up and running. So two, well, one one issue, for example, even before you worry about online changes with big data, but you know, actually worrying about zero downtime deployments. Even before then, what about merging? What about if I make some changes on a branch and add a migration and you make some changes on a branch and add a migration, but we want to deploy those together? Like how... If conflict they resolution the is called. Conflict yeah, ex- resolution. Yeah, exactly. Conflict resolution is difficult. Yeah, so two questions we raise. Zero downtime migrations, for example, actually basic diff capability. If we rely only on Git, it will be very weak. We, for schema, we need uh, diff and not as uh, pgadmin and others have. Very naive or migra or others. So they have very naive diff. Like, for example, they say create index, not mentioning concurrently. So if yeah. we have substantially big and substantially loaded database, we will block them and nobody, no, only tiny projects can afford using such approach. Yeah. So, Create index should be concurrently. Alter table, changing a column data type also. This is harder. This should be in batches. And so diff, you, you say conflict resolution. I also say deployment yeah. according, in accordance with this zero downtime approach. So you, we need batch management, background, like workers sometimes lasting days. If you need, for example, to change data type in a column or in a table which has a billion of rows, you need to be very patient and wait one or two days and split it to batches. Batch size should be properly adjusted. So they don't care about it. Why? Hard problems or I'm mistaken and it's not needed at all. I think it's a hard problem personally. I think also... Three problems already. Already three problems. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I've actually been, so I've got a friend working in this area, kind of somebody I used to work with called Neil Anderson, working on a tool called Postgres compare. And I've been trying to encourage him because, because as you say, the diff tools in most, the diff tools that have been added to most IDEs and the open source ones aren't super intelligent. They're good. I'm sure a lot of people have put time into them, but I think he's put a lot more time in and he charges. It's a commercial tool and he's been able to put a lot more time into it. So it's, it's called Postgres. Does it support compare. zero downtime migrations? I'm not sure. I mean, it's mostly right, for live schema. To, yeah. It's mostly for like live schema to schema comparisons. And I don't know if they're like, Only he's got a lot. without data. Right. No, he does do data as well. Actually, it's in in the same product. Oh, okay. But for, okay. Yeah, but it's kind of different features, right? So yeah, I think data. Like I was going to mention data here, actually, because I think data can sometimes be an important part of your schema. Which again, some of these tools forget and neglect. If you've got a lookup table, for example, of what the the famous one is, country codes, or yeah, exactly, yeah. anything where you you need. That data People put it to migrations. I see it yeah. quite often in Flyway, for example, just insert. Yeah. And sometimes some teams consider this as a bad practice and try to avoid, but some teams do it. I don't know what the alternative is, though, if you're going to, if that's the migration. Good question. I don't know either. So, so we, we had to worry about that because we were having create statements in version control. So if, if you've, if you're trying to do the alternative, which is 
have a create statement per object and manage diffs, you do need to, you have to choose which tables need to also go in data wise. So it's, it's a comp, I think it's a hard problem and complicated. So I do have empathy with the people making these products and making these services. I do think databases are fundamentally harder to do this for than applications, but I do also think there's a lot we can do to make them better. The create index concurrently is a perfect example of quite a simple change that probably should be in most of them. Yeah. Also, you know, you know what? I think if somebody developed open source tool which supports zero downtime uh, diff, I think it would solve the problem of merging and conf conflict resolution because we would see this diff and uh, this is our merging process. We just, or maybe not. Actually, if we merge to For example, main branch, it's our deployment to production. What do you think? Yeah, I think merging is trickier, but we might be able to lean on Git for some of that. So for example, if we're changing the same function, the function is going to look very similar between our two. But if we're altering a table, that's maybe we can apply one after the other, but I'm not sure when order matters. It's a tricky one. I haven't thought yeah. about this for a few years, to be honest. If like if we consider functions triggers as a part of a schema, and I think we should. This also we probably 100%. yeah we probably already in previous episodes we already mentioned the problem of including all, all these tools, current generation 1.5 right tools. If we include different file and keep function body there for convenience, like for example each function it, it's a non file easier to find it, navigate and so on. Do we still want to support long sequences of deployments? For example, we have several installations of our product and one is already very up to date and another one is lagging a few months of changes. And the problem is when you include, you need the current version of file. But when you already function changed many times and you try to replay old migration file, It, it tries to include the very fresh, very new function body. And it's it's not what it is expected like a couple of months ago, right? And we have a problem. So you need to somehow fetch. You, you can use Git history and fetch older version, which corresponds to this migration file. But why nobody cares about this? I needed to implement it myself. And like I thought about how to contribute it to Sketch and it was like, quite hard. Actually, I raised the topic about it and mailing list and I didn't see support and things like it, it looked to me like I'm alone with this problem. Like <laughs> nobody cares, right? Maybe I'm yeah. really alone. How people do this from your practice? Is it a problem or people just don't need to replay long sequences of changes? I've seen more people kind of like try migrating forwards. I, d I actually see quite a few people not even worrying about backwards, like moving backwards. And it's It's an interesting potential. It's not only back backwards. It's about okay. also if you have multiple, you have multiple setups and one of them is lagging quite much. They need to replay, say, 10 database migrations. And they fetched the very fresh version of our code, but this code already has a much newer function file. And when they try to replay some old migration, which tries to include this file, it, ex it expected a very different function or view, for example. So problem with includes, including different files, it's, it's a problem. You always need to snapshot whole function body to migration, which like bloats your code, right? But you cannot keep a function in a separate file. This is the problem with all these tools. 
Right. Yeah, I'm, if we only have migrations from a from a baseline, I don't think this is a problem. Problem with starts when you try to use including include some file. Like with Sketch, it's very it, Sketch feeds files to psql, so you can use backslash i. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. This is a problem. And if you use backslash i, and this is like two month old migration, this file already changed, and you you need to rewind it, and uh, this is a problem. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you need to, uh, every time to to put a whole function body to migration and bloats everything. It's very huge. I see. What I you mean, mean now. this yeah. if you if you put every time you say create or replace function or drop function and create it again and put everything. And in revert as well, like whole function again, it blows it so much that I, I'm starting to ask why, like, do we have Git still? No, nobody cares about we have Git here. This is why it was created for, right? <laughs> why we copy yeah. paste functions, function versions, where is version control at all? This right? is what I liked about the single create files per object, but it has such big limitations right now that I don't think it's viable. So I think we have to accept the putting the full object back in. Maybe you could argue it's but a SQL. How, I, I don't understand. If you keep object in separate file, how you replace sequences of changes? Well, like you still have versions, right? Like our first version, then like maybe timestamp that you take day or something timestamp. This is new version, new version, new version. If you keep object in separate file, you need to include it. And if you try to replay very old migration with very new state of code, you will have problem. I think you need to have a database aware diff functionality, and it also probably needs another folder of overrides. So if you have, for example, um, easy migrations, like adding, if we're always adding, adding columns, adding indexes, adding tables, easy stuff, but we don't need to have any special cases. We can just, the diffs are easy. If we ch do something more tricky, let's say from, I know Git doesn't work like this, but let's say from version 15 to version 16, we need a more complex migration. We can say, we can put in a folder somewhere for going between 15 and 16, which includes going from 14 to 18 or any other way past that boundary. We can say, don't use what you plan to use, use this uh, override instead. But it gets complicated. That's kind of like a hybrid between the two models we've been discussing. And I and well, there is a big difference between like, objects with data and very yeah. lightweight objects. Objects with data is, is tables. It's called tables. That's it. Only tables have data. If we forget about materialized use, which is derivative for, for, from tables, right? Yeah. View views triggers functions. They are light. They don't have data. So we always can rewrite them. We can throw them In, away. And indexes though, like. Well, yeah, yeah, but indexes, it's uh, like part of, uh, it's, it's like part of tables probably. Right? Okay, because cool. Fair enough. They cannot live without tables. It's like, okay, yeah. it's addition to tables, add-on to tables, but functions, triggers, and views, regular views, maybe with trust views as well, because they like have only derivative data as well. You, you always can redefine them and you can keep them in files. That's why. It's well, that's a really interesting files. point. I haven't seen a system that separates those two. I, I built it a couple of times. Okay, cool. So you had one system for tables. Yeah. 
Remember we discussed uh, approach when functions are kept in separate schemas and you can keep yeah. old version of schema. This is smart and good. And I think it's possible to build without copy-paste still, like to rely on Git for version control and have like version 1, schema version, functions version 1, functions version 2, and being able to even keep them several versions at the same time and it's different application nodes can address different versions of functions. This is very smart. And this is exactly when we probably need to keep functions in separate files as well. Right. And I, I should have mentioned that this idea was like came to mind of Valentin Gagishashvili long, long ago from Zalando and then propagated to Russia, to Avito and others and so on. So it's a great idea. Still relevant, I think. I'm not sure about triggers because triggers they consist of trigger function plus trigger itself. So trigger itself, it's a bit easier. It, it also requires things. Oh, by the way, big question number four or five, probably. Why do all these guys don't care about it? Like about simple problem of locking attempts. If you try to alter table, add column, you always must have small lock timeout and be ready to retry. Otherwise, well, you you don't notice the problem if you have not big load, not high load, right? Not heavy load. But if you have noticeable load, like thousand TPS. Sooner or later, you will bump into this problem very badly, as many did already. So you need to be graceful. Otherwise, you try to alter, somebody locks, and you cannot acquire a lock, and you have huge uh, line, including selects, after you waiting. So you block everyone. Uh, they don't care about it. Why? Well, I guess... <laughs> because it's generation 1.5. One, generation well, 1.5. That's right. It's a really good point, but that also lives in a slightly different place, right? That lives in the in the config file, and that's you know not necessarily. Well, is that in version control? Ho hopefully, but it's not in the same version control for most people. So it's deployed in a different way, updated in a different way. So it's very very interesting. Yeah, really good point. Maybe maybe that should be in there as well. I hope they will develop in the right directions. So people need these directions. People need the zero downtime migrations, conflict resolution, graceful deployments, right? And by the way, I want to advertise uh, GitLab has open source and background migrations. It's called migration helper, helpers.rb file. So it's open source. Anyone can check. And if you are a Ruby user developer, you can benefit from learning their experiences. An enormous volume of experiences already coded there to support uh, zero downtime migrations. Also, actually, GitLab has many installations and some of them may lag and need to... This is exactly the problem I described. I'm not sure if they keep some objects in separate files. Probably not. But they have this problem. To, deployments should be without issues on many, many setups. So it's, it's interesting yeah. to check. I hope that one day they will open source it separately as a separate gem or like library to be great for Ruby developers. That'd be really cool. There's a really good blog post about zero downtime migrations from the team at Braintree that's excellent that I think I'll include as well. 
Don't forget to include my log timeout post about this retries problem. It's a big will do. And yeah, I would love to hear from anybody listening to this that's screaming at us and saying that you've got this solved or you've got a really good process on your side. It would be great to hear how people are doing. Yeah, maybe we are wrong. Like yeah. this, ep- this episode is full of criticism, but it's opportunity <laughs> to improve for our tooling. So maybe someone can say there is some very magic tool which solves all problems, right? Yeah, let us know. Wonderful. Okay. Well, thanks, Nikolai. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Appreciate everybody that's got in touch recently with feedback. And, yeah, looking forward to speaking to you next week. Great. Thank you. Bye-bye.